Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's inauguration day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But also time for your weekly update on royal news you need to know. (laughs) Yes, and so much. We always say that, but truly this week feels like there is a lot to catch up on, even if we haven't really seen the royals that much. But just a couple of royal reminders, as always, before we dive in, you can follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, you can join the Facebook group at Royally Obsessed. You can subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating. We would love a five-star review from all of our listeners. And you can send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Rachel, how are you doing on this inauguration day? I am so excited. I'm so hopeful. Um, It is just, yeah, it's a great day. How are you doing? I feel the same way. I feel hopeful. I feel relieved. Um, Feels very celebratory. And... I'm sure our listeners can hear the big smile on my face as I'm talking to you because it just feels like such a great day and a new dawn. So. It does. I have to just also laugh because Roberta and I, as you know, we Zoom to do this recording from two different locations, and we somehow are wearing the exact same shirt today. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but I felt like it was kind of Kate-esque, which is why I chose it. I'm wearing like a striped turtleneck that's a little looks like a Breton stripe and Roberta is wearing almost the exact exact same same shirt we didn't plan this so oh that's hilarious but how's your week been otherwise becoming the same person it's good it's it's busy I feel like always a short week you know MLK day was Monday and so that always kind of um makes things a little bit more hectic but totally yeah, it's good i've been watching a lot of tv as i know you have so we need to talk really quickly about what we're watching yeah i just started all creatures great and small and that was actually i i only saw it because I caroline Halliman recommended it in her newsletter and i was really excited to check it out she said it was a good follow-up to bridgerton you're watching it too it's so good it's it's on pbs and you know what I love is that I actually I can watch all the episodes at once because they're on on demand. We have the PBS like masterpiece whatever package. And so, but I'm I'm choosing to watch them just on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. when they air on PBS and it that feels like somehow nostalgic because we don't watch TV like that anymore. Well, I am watching it that way because I do not oh, have you the are package. Too. That's how Well, yeah, no, cuz I don't I have am. the package so I get it one at a time. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's I <laughs> Oh, I just like humble brag that I have that. <laughs> no, I'm laughing. <laughs> it's so good though. The animals are so cute. They're so I cute. love the storyline. It's like really really it's very gripping. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. The scenery it. is beautiful. It's it's really nice. TV is um, my everything right now. I'm really like getting into it. Oh, and and I started The Flight Attendant because Ooh, of your I recommendation. Watched that. Yeah. And it's really good. It's so it's, good. Yeah. I like, can't wait to finish and see what happens because every decision she makes, though, it's like, 
What it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch yeah. the main character make so many bad mistakes. It's like, oh, Kaylee Cuoco, get it together. But it is worth God. a watch. <laughs> so good. Anything else? I feel like I, – oh, I finished Bridgerton. And oh. it was – Amazing. Oh, obviously. my gosh. I think we talked about that last week. Oh. So, so good. There's so much good TV. Lupin is another one I'm watching on Netflix. But yeah, we what will. Is, what is Lupin? Is it's that... a French kind of Sherlock Holmes. It's really good. Add wow. to Add to card. No, add to your list. <laughs> <laughs> but it's subtitled. Subtitled? Subtitled, yeah. Okay. Which is actually really wonderful because you have to put all your devices away. It's like I really, like, immerse <gasps> yeah. myself in the show. So I have a problem with that. I, like, look up and – flight attendant there's like this huge development that i just missed you have to rewind yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. all right guys well so many updates as roberta said we thought it was going to be kind of a quieter week but we have so much sussex news megan's trial which is uh or the hearings the court hearings that are going on right now in relation to that virtually they're uh megan and harry's tribute to dr martin luther king jr on mlk day so much more also the cambridges are back on zoom And this is, speaking of Bridgerton, a connection between Bridgerton and Fergie that we want to get into. So a lot coming up. So much Fergie news, too. I mean, (laughs) what a a teaser. Um, All right. Well, this week we are sipping. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Champagne for the inauguration. I have a rosé champagne. I messed mine up because I tried to turn my bubbles into a mimosa with um, some sort of juice that was, I don't know, it just didn't work out. But it's delicious. It it tastes good. It just is a little cloudy. Feels celebratory still. Yes, clink, clink. All right. Well, while we're sipping, we're going to talk about today's royal find. So last week we mentioned our royal find was the sheep sweater mask version, um, which is the warm and wonderful pattern that Diana so iconically wore. And it was made into a mask by a Spanish company. Um, So our item this time is a Bridgerton-themed item. It is a mug by Jennifer Velez, and it has the Duke of Hastings and Daphne Bridgerton on it. It is so adorable. The illustration is amazing. We love anything by Jennifer. I feel like I follow her on Instagram and I'm so obsessed with everything yes, she makes. Yes, And she just rebranded her website. So you guys might remember her. Her website was Sophie and Lily. But yeah, she's just rebranded and uh, it her work is phenomenal. And she always touches on all the – everything that's of the zeitgeist, like the pop culture moments going on. So Bridgerton, right on – very appropriate. I want to, you know, wake up and sip out of this cute, adorable little mug. And I saw this other uh, – so I was perusing Etsy for our find, our royal find, and I saw another mug that said, I like my coffee like I like my dukes burning for me. Burning <laughs> for me. Oh, my gosh. That scene. <laughs> So, so good. So corny. good. Keep so the Bridgerton good. in your heart. That's all we got to. Yeah. That's what you- I love it so much. All of her. Yeah. And she also has a lot of inauguration stuff, which I thought was really cool. So uh, a shirt of Kamala and, you know, a lot of people are posting them in those shirts today or with their mugs, which is really exciting. So yeah, lots of good stuff. All right. Moving on. This week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. So on January 17th, 2014, Mia Grace Tyndall was born. She's the daughter of Zara Phillips and Mike Tyndall. She was born at Gloucestershire Royal Hospital. We also have another birthday this week we need to mention real quick. Sophie, Countess of Wessex, is today. Oh, yeah. It's today? It's today. How did we neglect it that, really Roberta? It really flies under the radar. I feel like because oh. of... 
I don't know. Maybe it's the inauguration news and everything kind of drowning I that out. I completely forgot. It's today, January 20th. I know. Yeah. Oh, what a celebration. I'm glad we're <laughs> drinking champagne. Okay. Well, we wanted we wanted to talk more about Mia, even though, you know, she's obviously a lot younger. She just turned seven. But I think also because we know that Zara Phillips is pregnant and expecting her third child with Mike. And so I think that's really important. So, but let's flash back to 2014. So at the time, Mike posted on Twitter, thanks so much for all of your kind messages. Definitely the best day of my life today. So happy. The girls are both doing great. He's like, elated dad, first time dad. So, so cute and sweet. So reminder, Mia is the fourth great grandchild of Queen Elizabeth. She just turned seven. She doesn't have a title just as Zara and her brother, Peter Phillips didn't either. So quick reminder, only a monarch's grandchildren through sons automatically receive the Royal status. Although Queen Elizabeth offered to princess Anne and she turned down her offer of courtesy titles for her two children. So we, you know, expect Zara and Mike to probably do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Mia Grace's little sister, Lena is two years old. So they have a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, and then they'll have a baby this year. Reminder that dad, Mike revealed the baby news on a rugby podcast really oh recently <laughs> in kind of the most casual way, which, you know, almost like as if Zara wasn't even aware that he was going to reveal it at that time. It was just like all of a sudden it was like exploded into the news. Um, they're expecting their third child. He said he definitely wants a boy on the podcast. Which, that was so funny. Oh my gosh. As a rugby player, maybe he wants someone to play rugby with down the line. I don't know, but it's really funny. We're doing a nice little party this week for Mia, but that is, yeah, yeah it is kind of nice to just kind of talk more about some of the other, you know, a little bit more extended members of the Royal family too. I think that's why we wanted to touch on this this week. Well, definitely. And because so many Royal babies are coming this year. So we know that Eugenie's baby is coming soon and hello magazine has an unnamed source that says mid-February. So that's really soon. That's really Maybe soon. a Valentine's Day baby, who knows? Um, but because of that birth, Mia will now be 20th in line. Her mother, Zara, will be 19th. And Eugenie's baby will actually be 11th because wow. it goes through, first through the sons, even though Princess Anne is older. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so lots. What about other favorite royal non-titled People. So I feel like some of the people that I've been kind of uh, tuning into are Princess Margaret's grandchildren, which I feel like were completely left out of the crown. The fact that she had a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And so that's Viscount Lindley and his name is Charles Armstrong Jones. So he, this is her kids with Anthony Armstrong Jones, Lord Snowden. Mm-hmm. And he, so Charles is 20 and then his sister, Lady Margarita Armstrong Jones is 17. And so I just feel like I'm kind they're both in school. There's not, you know, they have, I think private Instagram accounts. I'm just curious about them, but what about you? I really like, you know, on the same side of the family, Princess Margaret's um, other grandchildren are the Chattos. So Lady Sarah Chatto has Arthur and Sam Chatto and the internet is full on obsessing over Arthur right now. I mean, he's he has a public he's, Instagram too. <laughs> and he's very easy on the eyes. I will say that he looks like a Bridgerton. I'm full on, he does. <laughs> full on Netflix he does. brain right now, but he really does. He he looks like he could be a sibling of the Bridgertons. Um, he always posts about his workouts. He's really, I think he's a trainer actually at a gym in Scotland. Um, but he, yeah, his 22nd birthday is coming up, which I, I feel like he's just such 
dreamboat candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like which and seems say. really like his interests are vast too. I feel like that's mm-hmm. there. Like, isn't he art history or is there some sort of? Yeah, I think so. And uh, now he's geography, but he does have a oh. lot of really kind of. He posts a lot about, it, which I think is what people like. Like he shares a lot on social media, and he posts with his now girlfriend, I guess, a lot, and they're really cute. So it's worth a follow if you don't follow Arthur Chato to check out. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. So much Sussex news that we have to get into. This is actually breaking right now. So we are going to cover what we know. Megan's virtual court hearings are happening via Zoom right now because no one can re- meet in person due to COVID. But this is regarding her case against the mail on Sunday and the excerpts of the letter she wrote to her dad, Thomas Markle, that they published. Uh, so Megan's actually, her defense team is now asking for a summary judgment. So they actually feel like the, basically what a summary judgment means is that the facts, they feel the facts are clear. They don't feel like anything further needs to be kind of examined at a trial because they feel that the mail on Sunday's defense for publishing the letter is is basically weak. So right. And to be clear, like I feel like this might this episode might come out and we'll have heard whether yes. the verdict is that there will be a summary trial or not. Um, so just to be clear, we're recording before we know, but we're going to talk about, you know, what we do know, what came out yesterday on Tuesday, as far as what happened. Yeah. Because these, these virtual hearings kicked off on Tuesday. They're supposed to be resolved on Thursday, that day, this episode airs. So anyways, the pros of a summary judgment for Megan is that she can really avoid the headline grabbing trial, which is destined to be that way. I mean, I feel like you'll have Thomas and Megan sitting on opposite sides in a courtroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also that she can obviously save on legal fees, which I'm sure would be a pro. But I did also read through a couple of sources that she really wants to see this through. She's not nothing about her feelings toward the case and her, you know, stance on what they did has changed. So I don't think saving on legal fees would change you know, I think it's much more. She still feels strongly. Very strongly. I think that she's still just like to resolve it. She feels clear that she's right. To me, it really comes down to, you know, the mail on Sunday wanting it to go to trial because of the, you know, eyeballs they'll get from that and the attention they'll get and the headlines and the, the articles and all of these things that are kind of like tangential to what the actual court case is. It really feels like they're milking it to kind of increase their coverage of it, which feels really icky and, and awful. And I, I just, yeah, but continue. So no, I totally agree. I mean, I think that's what I was going to get into a little bit is that I think that even if they lose, they kind of win because they will get that headline grabbing trial. So, and to have the pictures of like her dad testifying in court and Megan having to go to court, I just think you know, it, it just, and her friends, it, her friends have been dragged into it. The authors of finding freedom have now been dragged into it. And I yeah. think the mail on Sunday and associated newspapers really want to get the publicity off of this. And that's what they're really angling for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really wild. And I think, you know, just to be clear that the trial was the in, intended trial was moved. We know that Megan and Harry's team asked for an extension on that. So if it does take place, it will happen this coming fall. Mm-hmm. So if they lose this motion this week to get a summary judgment, the trial will go forward. And a peek at what might happen if it does go to trial, Thomas Markle's witness statement, which was revealed this week shares that he actually, I, this was very, I had to read a lot about this, uh, Roberta, because basically 
The background is that he apparently reached out to the Mail on Sunday reporter, Caroline Graham, and explained that he wanted to publish excerpts of the letter. So, And he had the permission from the publisher, Mail on Sunday, to choose which extracts. So he was the one that gave the letter to the Yeah, he fully handed it over. That is not what the case is about, but I think that that's just such a... Right. It's more about the privacy and what is theirs to publish... I mean, Megan is the copyright owner because she created that work. And so, but mm-hmm. I think the mail on Sunday is trying to poke holes in that by saying, look, she, you know, her father gave us permission to mm-hmm. use extracts. And also, I mean, there's a lot of other things like Megan's, you know, sought advice from palace officials to write the letter. And I think that's one of their main tenets of the case is that she asked Jason Knopf, who's communication, head of communications uh, at Kensington Palace to kind of help her read over the letter and copy edit or edit it and, and to make it, um, you know, just to meet like the, the goals that she, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Finesse it. And so, uh, um, I think that's the mail on Sunday's case. So yeah, I but I think just the whole, you know, did it damage the relationship with her father? I think that everything that she's saying, privacy claims, I'm definitely in, you know, I, I really think she has a very strong case, but what Thomas's witness statement revealed is that he, he claims that he had to defend himself against that People magazine article, and that's why he shared the excerpts of the letter, because he said that Megan's letter to repair their relationship was actually the, did the opposite. He felt mm-hmm. that it further damaged the relationship, and the, mm-hmm. he said that her friends talking to People magazine actually made Thomas Markle seem dishonest. This was a quote, dishonest, exploitative publicity seeking, uncaring and cold hearted. So, and wow. he says he never, ever wanted to mention Megan's letter to the, to the mail on Sunday or, or excerpt it, but the people piece was what made it changed his mind. So, and he also very, this was another quote. He said that Megan's letter signaled the end of the relationship, not a reconciliation. So mm-hmm. a lot of kind of crazy stuff that's coming to surface to the surface already in just these. Yeah. So knowing, I mean, what everything you've read and knowing you know, what's happened so far. Do you think that the judge, Justice Warby, I think is his name, do you think he'll grant a summary trial or not? I don't know. What I've read is that if he does, it will be sort of, a, it'll be a massive win, obviously for Megan, but I think in the sense of freedom of the press, people feel that he will be rained down on that. But it's like the Mail on Sunday has been doing numerous inaccurate sort of sketchy things along the way. And they've gotten multiple ad- like admonishments in yeah, recent like months yeah. for faulty, false information, including uh, something related to Prince Harry, an article that they published. So I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't, because it's that whole, you know, freedom of the press argument yeah. that is, you know, you have to read the fine print on that, but I think that it's, it could go either way. It's interesting though, as precedent, they're using parts of Prince Charles's privacy case. Mm-hmm. And I think his went to summary judgment because he had such a strong case. It was, it was excerpts of his diary, I believe his private diary that got leaked. And so I'm hoping, you know, for the Sussexes sake, they can kind of lean on that and that it will go to a summary trial. Um, because as you said, I think that would be a big win, but I don't know. It's, yeah. it's there's so many details now. And I think, you know, a lot of people are saying it, it probably won't because of, of the, well, neither side is backing down. Like that, I feel like they yeah. keep calling more. I mean, it's just, that's the thing is that there's now the, the kind of circle that is involved in this has grown so large and there's so many layers and there is backtracking, I think on both sides, like 
Megan, you know, her case, her lawyer set forth that she didn't consult with the authors of Finding Freedom, but there's kind of a lot of nuances to that. They didn't consult, but Sarah Latham, one of their staff members was fact-checking the book is what they, you know, have kind of admitted now. So, you know, not everyone is blameless. And I think they've had to kind of backtrack a little bit with their case. So I wouldn't be surprised if it did go to a full trial. Yeah. It's, it's really, really interesting and, and we'll see what happens, but in the, even by tomorrow, you know, we'll know more, but all right. And we just want to mention this because it's just coming out, but Christian Jones, who's a senior aide to Prince William and Kate Middleton just resigned from his role. He was named as a key witness in this trial to talk about whether he helped Megan write this letter to her dad or what that level of help was. And I think that the idea is that if he is called to a trial, he will also be subjected to a cross-examination will he, where he will have to mention if he at any point leaked any information specifically to the Sun or any tabloids about Harry and Meghan. I just want to say, Christian Jones, I feel like there is a lot going on in the news right now about him because of these weird connections. His partner, Callum Stevens, I believe is his name, um, is good friends with the Sun's editor, Dan mm-hmm. Wooten. So there is kind of all this stuff being churned up right now. Yeah. It doesn't look good for a lot of these senior royal household members. Yeah. So I think that I've read that this is, you know, sort of the beginning of the Cambridges and uh, Charles and Camilla's offices also starting to kind of clean house and look into some of this a little bit more. So this is all unfolding. So we'll get yeah. into it in the coming weeks. We'll check back in. So just a couple other Sussex notes that we wanted to mention. Uh, Tom Bradby. Remember him, Roberta? Um, Yes. I really like Tom. I know. Me too. Friend of the Sussexes. He chatted with Alan Titchmart on the ITV show Love Your Weekend. And remember, he he was the person that we heard him ask to Megan, are you okay? How are you doing over the yep. past year in the documentary, Harry and Megan, an African journey? So we're going to play a clip from his chat on Love Your Weekend about how Harry and Meghan are doing a year later. There's been a huge amount that's happened over the last year that I can't talk about and I don't want to talk about. And an awful lot of what's been said is kind of just not accurate and not right. And that's occasionally frustrating because I'm sitting there kind of mm, biting my fist thinking, well, this is just nonsense. Um, so are they unhappy? No, I think I think they're content. I think, you know, the things they're doing, I think they're quite excited by. I think he's heartbroken by the situation with his family. I mean, I I, don't necessarily need to have knowledge to know that, but I I think it's true. That's a pretty big revelation from someone that is in, you know, knows and, you know, has a good rapport with Harry and Meghan, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's also kind of what we, what we knew. I mean, watching this all play out, we know that any sort of family tumult or kind of upheaval like they've gone through is, Mm -hmm. is definitely going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but it does sound like Tom, following that interview was really, you know, felt caught in the middle of things, Mm -hmm. um, just being the person that, that asked that question. Yeah. I feel a little, I, a little surprised actually by this, but just because for him to say so publicly that Harry's heartbroken, I think, you know, just as you and I, every week hope, you know, we always mention that the brothers we hope are reconciling behind the scenes, that they're doing better. They're going to see each other this coming summer at so many of these big Royal events that hopefully will happen. Um, I I just, I don't know. I think that that that's pretty big. I I don't think he would say this without getting Harry's permission or at least Mm -hmm. mentioning the interview to Harry. And so I think that for Harry to kind of by surrogate basically put out there that he is heartbroken by this 
you know, these wounds haven't healed completely yet. And that's definitely an indicator. And I don't think everything will just go on, you know, keep calm and carry on as normal when they're reunited. I think there's a lot of mending still to be done. And that's oh, what it sounds I totally like. agree. I think that there's a lot of mending. I think that they, to me, it seems like both parties are interested in mending and that might be a product of the COVID pandemic, you know, where they've yeah. had this forced distance, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a hard thing to, um, time heals all wounds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that it is an interesting insight from him. He also said, but are they unhappy out there? No, I don't think about Harry and Megan. No, I don't think that's right. I think they are pretty happy actually, but I think they wrestle with their position in life. I think they all do. I think William does too. I don't think he finds it easy. In parallels to what, you know, we just talked about with the trial and, and kind of Kensington palace and you know, Prince Charles and Camilla cleaning house a little bit with some of these senior aides who have now been implicated in the trial. I do feel like it's interesting time to talk about because, you know, is this a new dawn for them as well? You know, to have some of these staff members that Megan and Harry might have really thought are targeting them in a few different ways by leaking things to the press or, you know, whatever comes out in a trial, we'll have to see. But I do think if, you know, if Prince Charles is willing to let go of his private communication secretary, if Prince William, his closest aide, Christian Jones is called his closest aide in most of the stories I've read, you know, if they're willing to let those people go, it feels like they're on the right track. And that's what keeps me hopeful. You and I are both optimists, so we can speak all day about how yeah, hopeful no, totally, we are that there's totally. a new, you know, but I, new but relationship. But I do want to say that I think what always strikes me is so funny. We've talked to many experts about this is it does often feel like the palace is this massive game of telephone. And I think that I wonder, you know, what what this kind of cleaning house, so to speak, will do to, mm -hmm. to hopefully see some progress there. But anyways, so mm -hmm. I think one, one other thing is that he just ends the interview. Tom does saying you have got to remember, this isn't a family, it's a firm. And I mm -hmm. feel like that is also, you know, their job is public service on an elevated level and they're all locked together because they're family, but there's so many tensions that come from that. So, and that's what he kind of explains and it's very complicated. So I think, you know, this speaks to what you and I were just talking about, though, that he's Tom Bradby also said he, the quote is, I think the public desperately wants them to be OK and everyone to be happy. And clearly that hasn't been the situation over the past year is not a very easy or comfortable situation. I don't think it ever was going to be easy or comfortable situation. So, you know, it's it's like I think giving credence to what we just said that that there's a lot of work to be done. It sounds like, and and this is just confirmation of that. I can't see Tom Bradby going to the press with this without fully having Harry's approval. And so, yeah, I it'll agree. be interesting. I think to see what, what these events are like, is it going to be kind of that cold shoulder moment at the Commonwealth days serve, you know, those the services that we last saw the Sussexes at in the UK, or will it be warmer, you know, truly, behind the scenes, we can never know what's going on, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Exactly. I know. But um, one last thing about the Sussexes, we saw a lovely, um, we end ending on a high note for MLK Day, the Sussexes donated lunch for veteran volunteers working on behalf of the mission continues. Harry had volunteered there just over the summer and the organization, as a reminder, empowers veterans as they adjust to life at home. You know, the mission continues is so in line with Harry and Meghan's efforts, but especially Harry. So they left a note with the lunch that they donated. It says, in honor of this day of service and in recognition of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all that he stood for, we want to send our thanks and gratitude to the team at the mission continues. We're so proud of all the work you're doing to support your community and hope you enjoy this small token of our appreciation. And the note ended with a 
with an update that they have plans to volunteer. They're hoping to volunteer again soon in person. So yeah, it's, didn't it say see you soon as the closing, which mm-hmm. was really sweet. So that's something to look forward to too. I think we'll hopefully see them soon volunteering again. So ending on a high note with all the Sussex updates, but yeah, it's yeah. been a lot this week. It really has. Well, more to come on that. Moving on to the Cambridges. So they had a, another Zoom call uh, this time, you know, trying not to make light of this situation at all, because we know that in the UK, they're in their third lockdown. It's extremely dire. They said one in 30 people in London are infected. The health system is overwhelmed. There are 50% more coronavirus patients in UK hospitals than in April, which we thought, you know, was really the peak of it. So it's, it's becoming much, much worse. And so I think, you know, as you know, we say we're sad to go back to Zoom engagements. I think it's it's more than appropriate that that's what they decided to do. They had kind of gone from Zoom to in-person and now back to Zoom. And I think that's the only choice they really have, especially there's a bit of, you know, controversy with the train tour coming out now. And we're not going to go into too much detail about that, but emails, you know, show me the receipts like the Scottish government did. They provided the emails with the Cambridge team advising them that they didn't think this trip was a good idea at the time, the train tour that they took. And, you know, they went ahead and did it. So it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting time because I think they have to, you know, maintain appearances and kind of, you know, they're talking with frontline workers and, and they said, you know, the work we did on that tour was essential, but I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a, it's a tricky situation for them to navigate right now. So The Cambridge Zoom call, they had a video call with frontline workers and counselors from Hospice UK's Just Be service, which is bereavement and mental health resources for frontline workers and those in the medical field. And we're going to play a quick clip. Something that I noticed uh, from my brief spell uh, flying their ambulance with the team is when you see so much death and so much bereavement, um, it does impact how you see the world. And it's very interesting what you just said then about... um, being able to kind of uh, see things in a different light. That is what really worries me about the frontline staff at the moment is that there is that, you're so under the cosh at the moment, you're so pressurized and you're seeing such high levels of sadness, trauma, death, that it, it, it impacts your own life and your own family life. I felt like Prince William got kind of emotional there and, you know, is drawing on the his experience with the search and rescue helicopter that he, he uh, piloted, so... It is emotional to hear. I mean, I feel like it is so true for the frontline workers, what they're going in, going through day after day, hour after hour. It's just how they're sustaining and carrying on is beyond me. I know. I know. And I think, you know, we, our hearts go out to any listeners who are in the UK or who are struggling right now. I think that that's, it's, it's such a hard, hard time. And, and with that memorial last night, the, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. memorial that we saw, which was all those flags on the Washington Mall, which was very poignant. Um, so it's it's really it's such a, it's a dark time. time. Yeah, it is. And I time. think, you know, it is nice to see them talking to these people. And on a lighter note, I did, I have to say, got Kardashian family FaceTime vibes from this, the way they structure because in December, did you see those videos that the Kardashians no. calling prank call? They call, they prank called people via FaceTime celebrities. And when they picked up, it was the whole family just sitting there like on the couch. And I liked that they did this with social media where they kind of had a FaceTime call pick up and then it was the Cambridges talking to people. So I thought that was really cool. So um, funny. Yeah. 
And just Kate looking, you know, taking a very serious approach to her look. She rewore a Smythe blazer that she's worn two previous times. Her hair was pulled back. It was very professional, serious, you know, getting down to business. I think this is obviously, as we've said, holds so much weight. And I think, you know, anything colorful would feel weird. And so her fashion definitely felt on, you know, on point for this occasion. And, um, and also we got a good glance at Kensington palace. I mean, sorry, ah. at Anmer hall, whoops. Um, with the hand-painted plates, lots of plants, all the greenery. I feel a like lot, <laughs> a lot it of makes greenery. sense. It's totally on par with everything that they talk about. And, you know, her visit to the garden center is like just great from, from earlier in the summer. I was but. a little envious actually. I was like that zoom background setup. Yeah. I need to like stick some more plants behind me or something. Cause it really, it felt, you know, refreshing to see that. Um, yeah. and then we just want to mention too that Prince William earlier in the week talked about how proud he was of his grandparents getting the vaccine. So you're saying yes, this is your vaccine as well. It's for everyone. It's not just for some communities. My grandparents have had the vaccine and I'm very proud of them for doing that. So it's um it's really important that everyone gets their vaccine. I loved that. I think that it is really, you know, it's definitely important. And also there's been a lot of talk about that the Cambridges, if and you know, when they get it, that they might do it on camera. Yeah, Omen Scobie said this, and I was just, I was kind of shocked. He said this on the AirPod uh, podcast, but I I was, you know, it I could see it. I guess I could see it. You know, Joe You've Biden, seen a lot of Kamala yeah, Harris got on video, yeah, so. their vaccines on on TV. You know, to encourage that younger generation, that might be really really helpful. But I don't I don't know. They take health matters. You know. Prince William didn't even tell us he had COVID for months and months. So I do think that they're so super private about that stuff. I would be shocked. Yeah, I, you we'll know, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, just we'll have to wait and see. But but it, it is, is really totally badass that Philip and the Queen have already gotten it. I, I mean, they're obviously in the age category to get it. But I I do I love that he kind of applauded there them doing. Also, that. it's it's starting to be like very proud. Like him saying that he's very proud of his grandparents is like everyone's like oh, like that's a full news story in and of itself because the royals like don't show emotion very much. So, I know. It's, so it's like, that's it's an really, emotional time, Roberta. It's an insight. I mean, that's, you know, hardly any emotion compared to us, but I feel like as, as British, you know, stiff upper lip to say he's very proud. It's, it's sweet. So it is sweet. He is thinking of, you know, his grandparents in this time. All right, guys, Fergie, we got to get into this. I'm so excited about this update. So she wrote a book. I know we, she's written other books. She's written children's books. She's done numerous things as an author, but this is her first foray into historical fiction. Roberta, did you see the little darling promo that she did that her publisher posted? I was speechless, <laughs> speechless. Uh, they love to, the Yorks love to dress up. Like they just they do. love, I mean, cause didn't one of the, either Beatrice or Eugenie had the um, costume party. <laughs> and I they feel like it. this outfit was completely borrowed from well, that it was party. completely on par with the theme of her book which i think was you know it made sense and but the video she's just so excited and that is because this book called her heart for a compass is coming out in august this year so another thing to really look forward to you guys it's published by harper collins and she co-wrote it with her mentor marguerite k but it's based on the life of her great great aunt lady margaret montague douglas scott <laughs> what a name Oswald. yeah what a name so a bit about the book, it's set in Victorian England and it, quote, interweaves real life figures and historical events alongside fictional characters against a backdrop that traverses the halls of Queen Victoria's court to 1870s New York with the country houses of Scotland and Ireland in between. Whoo, that's a 
big, <laughs> that's a big <laughs> summary right there. I mean, they're going to be all over the place, all around the world. It's really, but it's, isn't it? It's like a smutty sex novel, right? I mean, well, actually, maybe not because she said, so this is the other interesting detail about this book is that it's, so it's, her book team is the same team behind Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series. And Fergie mm. was asked about that comparison, which she's very excited about. But she says her book is set in a very different era because as we know, Bridgerton is incredibly racy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says her book is is much more reserved and appropriate with the Victorian era. So, and and that was, I think my favorite part was that just what a Bridgerton fan Fergie is. Like I love that. Fergie, she's us. <laughs> I she's love that she's a Bridgerton series. fan. She's watched it twice, Roberta. I'm going to watch it twice. I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually already wa- starting. I'm making Matt watch it. <laughs> so we're re-watching it. I need it to watch it twice. <laughs> it's so good. Matt secretly loves it too. He's like, I heard too that, that if you, just a side note, if you re-watch it again and you know now who Lady Whistledown is, yes. obviously I'm not going to give a spoiler away, but it gives it, it sheds a whole new light on every yeah, scene. Yeah, that's what I'm enjoying actually. And also tuning into things like the music and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. but Fergie's favorite character is supposedly Daphne. And she does in an interview compare L- Lady Margaret to Daphne in terms of, mm-hmm. I think, her gumption and things like that. So uh, she's very excited. She said she also said it's a happy coincidence that I, she worked on this book. She started it 15 years ago. What? And that That's it ha- wild. I know it's been like on the back burner and it happens to be coming out after Bridgerton. She says, I love tea, love wearing headbands and love history. All things that everyone has gone mad about recently. So She's got her finger on the pulse. That's all I got to say. And I think the publisher's Mill and Boone. Is that right? So it's like- So that's the UK branch of HarperCollins. Okay. And that's, they're really known for this kind of novel, the romance novel, Mm -hmm. you know, period, historical drama, period piece, whatever. It's funny though, there will be like some sex though, right? Oh, there's (laughs) gotta be. Yeah. I mean, my heart, what is it? My, her heart is, her heart for a compass. compass. You got to, you know- What do you think of the title? I mean- it's it's definitely enticing. <laughs> I want to follow. I, don't I just know. like that the promo video. She's like, and Lady Margaret rides side saddle, side and saddle. like makes it such a big thing. It's like, what is that supposed to mean? What is the innuendo for side saddle? We can bank on there being a good amount of royal drama. I feel like for sure, and a lot of innuendos. Because innuendo. I think- I, and I read somewhere that side saddle is like when you're a virgin, you ride mm-hmm. side saddle. And so I don't know. It's just going to be yeah. so – it's just weird. It's like written from her perspective, obviously, about romance. And so and you can't not think about Prince Andrew. Yeah, that's very true. You know what I mean? I think someone – was a joke on Twitter that was like – her heart for a compass. Like, can she use that compass to find the nearest police station? Oh my God. To turn in her husband. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I do. I did think it was funny. She told Variety that she sees a potential or film deal potential with Amazon prime or Amazon studios specific there. Okay. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of funny. Maybe that's already in the work. She did not mention Netflix. I think she said she has some friends at, um, at Amazon studios. So who knows? She also has friends at Netflix. That's true. That's true. I <laughs> cannot wait to see. Maybe we can get her on the podcast to talk about the book. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. I, I wonder if any of our listeners are going to read. Let us know. I feel like pre-order it. I'm going to pre-order I this have book. I can't to read wait. it. Yeah. Can't wait. It's just going to make me laugh. I don't know why. It's just going to be so silly. Maybe it'll be the next runaway hit. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Well, let's Who let's knows? get on. Uh, 
move along. Before right. we turn the royal pod, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. So my low this week is a story in the New York Times that one of those six ravens that guards the Tower of London has actually left. So the raven is AWOL. Um, this is kind of a big deal because there's a prophecy about the ravens that guard the tower that when they leave their post, the kingdom will fall. So, you know, that's kind of a crazy, I don't know. It's like royally tangential, but I do think there's a lot of hoopla about this right now because there's so much going on with Brexit and with the royal family right now. So, you know, people are freaking out. But the Raven Queen, we had, it, she's she's a queen, so I had to mention it, obviously. She's royal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my low is that apparently this just came out that Thomas Markle is making a documentary about what went wrong between him and Meghan. Did uh, you see this? Uh, I feel so bad. It's just so messy. Yeah, so he told the son about it, and he said he's doing it in the hopes that it'll enlighten him to what went wrong in the relationship. And it's going to go through the whole What went wrong is that you gave your letter to the Daily Mail. Like, I'm sorry, but that's what went wrong. Yeah, there's so many. Even just talking to the tabloid prior to that, doing that photo shoot and everything. And finally, this quote, he said, we had a good life together, him and Megan, up through her marriage and her move to Canada. Then a new story begins. It's kind of like what happened to my baby girl. But yeah, my low is just, please stop, stop, stop. I want to say also, too, that that's not true. Up through her marriage and her move to Canada, they still were not like her first marriage. Oh, oh, and her move oh. to Canada for suits. Oh, 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 got it, got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and her first marriage. Ooh, yikes. All right, my high this week, Where the Crawdads Sing is included in Camilla's Book Club. I loved this book. I actually finished reading it really recently. It's by Delia Owens. I love that Camilla has picked, so she picked four books for this season of The Reading Room. And, you know, this book is, is so far removed from royalty I feel like it's it takes place in the marshes of South Carolina and rural South Carolina and and I love that I think that you know it to picture Camilla reading the same book that I have read about the marsh girl it just makes me really like her and um and you know I'm excited about the book club so reminder that these four books they give you two weeks to read each one which is really fast I'm not going to do that but I think you can pick and choose which ones you want to read and then so that means that after two months, they'll, you know, release the next four books. So they spend two weeks talking about them on social media and stuff. But it's nice to know she's not just reading like really highbrow, like things that I wouldn't yeah. understand. No, this is, <laughs> it's this very is really- normal, like you know, reading I material. love that she launched this. Yeah. yeah. My high is Prince Charles related. Uh, did you get a glimpse of him speaking French? He did you see this, Roberta? Yes. He virtually joined French President Emmanuel Macron to discuss the launch of his Earth Charter, or Terra Carta, at the One Planet Summit. And I just have to play a clip from this because his he delivered his opening remarks en français. <laughs> Mesdames et messieurs, à la veille du sommet sur l'ambition climatique, I love it. It took me back to the Welsh episode of The Crown, which was one of his high points in that series where he learned Welsh. Oh, that's right. That address. You know, yeah. just he's, you know, his language skills are impressive. And it's also because I'm watching Lupin, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I think of his, his poetry also. It's just like, it's just poetry for the ears. All right. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, if you subscribe, we were just let in on this, you know, tidbit that if you, we're going to link to the royal find of the day. So 
if you subscribe, you can see and click on those links. We'll try to do that going forward for our episode descriptions on Apple podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. So if you subscribe, you can get the link to the Royal find of the day. So please do also shop, shop, shop. Yes. <laughs> follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcasts and the Facebook group. You can also follow us personally. I'm at Robbie Frito and I'm at RKBNYC. Until next week, God, God save, save the, the pod. pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.